Back in 1970, two college friends and I started an alternative newspaper, the Sonoma County Bugle in Northern California. One of the highlights of that publication, from the first issue to the last one in 1973, was the crisp black and white photography of Anthony Tussler. I can still recall one of the first photos Anthony took for the bugle. He laid down in a road with his crutches at his side and snapped photos as me and Bugle co-editor Stephen Laughlin rode past him on bicycles, handing a joint back and forth. It's on the back cover of Bugle number one. After the Bugle, Anthony and I went our separate ways, but we stayed in touch over the years. I moved to the other side of the country and I worked as a union editor for two decades before returning to the West Coast. Anthony, as you will hear in this recording by Kristen Throop, kept taking photos and became a national leader in the disability rights movement. The arc of Anthony Tussler's life mirrors the disability rights movement. Using braces and crutches, he grew up assimilated because being disabled was considered pitiful. He arrived at Sonoma State College in 1967 as a 20-year-old anti-war activist with long hair, a camera, and a pair of crutches. Quote, I went from somebody whose sole ambition was to make enough money to continue to drink beer at the trade winds, shoot pool, and just be able to live the hippie lifestyle and katati until I met Steve Diaz and got involved with disability rights and took on my identity as a disabled person. And I caught on fire. My politics came together with who I was. When I met Steve, it was like, I want to be part of this. Steve was the first guy with a disability who was hipper than I was, which made a huge difference to me. The two formed a student organization called the Disabled Student Coalition. The 504 protests. On April 17, 1977, they headed to San Francisco in Anthony's car, which was leaking oil. The disabled community was meeting to demand that the federal government sign into law Section 504 of the 1973 Rehabilitation Act. It was a turning point in the lives of disabled people, says Anthony. It was the equivalent to Stonewall for gays. The sit-in at the federal building in San Francisco was the moment we took power for ourselves. People who were considered weak, pitiful, helpless invalids occupied a federal building for 26 days. That's an amazing shift in how we saw ourselves, an amazing shift in how we presented ourselves to the world. It was powerful. I am really proud to have been part of that and proud to have been documenting that. The 26-day sit-in at the federal building in San Francisco is the longest occupation of a U.S. federal building in history. Anthony, an experienced photojournalist, brought his camera to the protest. Using crutches and braces, he knelt to take photographs looking up at the protesters. In a black and white photo, he framed Steve Diaz seen from behind with a hand-drawn protest sign reading, We Shall Overcome, leaning against his wheelchair. Diaz is surrounded by demonstrators in wheelchairs. The ornate dome of San Francisco City Hall is in the background. It has become an iconic image of the disability rights movement. It is hung in the National Center for Human and Civil Rights in Atlanta. The negatives from that roll of film are in the permanent collection of the Bancroft Library in Berkeley. Photos by Anthony are featured in the award-winning documentary, Crip Camp. 
Section 504 included the first federal language protecting people with disabilities from discrimination. As a result of the sit-in and the political and public pressure that resulted from it, the protections of 504 were signed into law in May of that year. What is access? Section 504 required that every organization receiving federal funding do a self-study to determine how accessible they were. Anthony convinced Sonoma State to have him review their programs. He went to every academic department to ask where they saw problems. He learned that it is possible to be a meteorologist as a blind person because so much of that work is based on data, but geology posed greater challenges. The Americans with Disability Act. The protections of Section 504 applied only to organizations receiving federal funding. It would not be until the passage of the ADA in 1990 that those protections would also apply to private businesses. In 1986, Lou Harris conducted the first ever nationwide poll of people with disabilities. Of those surveyed, 66% of people with disabilities were unemployed, 40% did not finish high school, and 50% lived below the poverty line. Not only were the economic factors substantial, but the poll revealed the social isolation that most people with disabilities experience. The magnitude of these figures was so powerful that it gave a tremendous boost to the passage of the ADA. In explaining the need for disability civil rights legislation, the ADA notes that people with disabilities have been, quote, victimized by pity, paternalism, and charity. Says Anthony, what does access mean to me? It means I can take a piss when I'm out in public. It's been wonderful to me. Seriously. Accessibility means being treated equally to others in society. Internalized shame. Rates of alcohol and other drug use are generally much higher for people with disabilities as a whole compared to national averages for the non-disabled. For instance, abuse rates of alcohol and other drugs for people with acquired brain injuries and spinal cord injuries is over 50% compared to less than 15% for the general public. Says Anthony, I think there is an enormous amount of shame still in the disability community. I think disabled people still feel ashamed of their marginalized identity. I don't think we've found a way to access that shame, to bring it to the surface and get rid of it. It took me a long time to treat myself decently. The biggest threat, of course, was my drinking and drugging, which I gave up in my mid-30s. Anthony's work as director of Sonoma State's Alcohol and Drug Education Program his advocacy and writing brought him national recognition in 1994 when U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services Donna Shalala invited him onto the National Advisory Council of the Center for Abuse Substance Prevention. Asking the larger questions. As a lecturer at Sonoma State, Anthony led discussions on larger issues of disability studies. Disability doesn't mean what most of the population thinks it means. There is no absolute definition of disability. Is disability a medical condition? Is it determined by a person's employability? Is it an issue of civil rights or a cultural definition? To view disability as a cultural construct is to see it as an identification of unique individuals with a variety of differing conditions, diseases, disabilities, and handicaps who share a common experience. The disability community in the Bay Area is incredibly complex with many different circles. 
How can people with disabilities as diverse as blindness, deafness, and paralysis see themselves as sharing an identity? Disability culture. Anthony says, we need more cultural power, more cultural capital to make change. We know who we are. Our voice needs to be stronger in the cultural arena. The arts to me right now is the most fruitful, the richest area to bring about a strong sense of disability identity and pride. What is our worldview and how does this different from mainstream society? Career. Anthony has a long and distinguished career. He is a writer, consultant, trainer, and advocate on disability issues, focusing on disability music and culture, alcohol and drug prevention for people with disabilities, and disability access to mainstream technology products and services. He has written curricula for the World Institute on Disability and taught disability in America at Sonoma State University. He is the author of the Accessibility Champions Manual, How to Create Disability Access to Technology, Best Practices in Electronic and Information Companies. His website about disability is the home for a new paradigm of disability bibliography. On his monthly podcast, Telling Our Disability Stories, he interviewed second-generation disability rights advocates, artists, and scholars. He and his wife, Lindy Brown, live in Pengrove. Outlook. Says Anthony, I think of the world as a place that likes me and welcomes me, even though it doesn't. It's false optimism in many ways. I don't like to think about those negatives. I am innately positive. Disability provides an opportunity to look at various personality aspects. I'm more positive because it's a tool that works for me. It is an outlook seasoned with a wry sense of humor. In short, he enjoys messing with people. Quote, I'm living in a world that is very accessible. The world meets my needs. Areas that are not as accessible as I would like, Weill Hall at Sonoma State University. If people are standing, I can't see. Airline travel can be tough. Quote, I've only had to crawl off an airplane once to make a connecting flight. Then, with a wry smile, he says, the flight crew hates it when I crawl. Artist Kristen Throop recorded that essay as part of an amazing project she organized in Santa Rosa, California, Claiming Justice on the Trail of Local Stories. The project highlights the work of 14 community activists with portraits of each of them embedded in the ground along a walking tour of downtown Santa Rosa. Each portrait includes an audio link so walkers can listen on their cell phones and learn about each of the honored activists. And you can learn more about Claiming Justice on the Trail of Local Stories at www.kristenthroop.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-E-N-T-H-R-O-O-P www.kristenthroop.com Anthony Tussler talked about why his portrait is where it is at the launch of the Public Art Project on Sunday, October 29th. Chair, looking for a way to get across the street and there wasn't a curb cut. And so when Kristen said to me, you know, where do you want your, your circle? I thought, that's the place. Yeah. And it turns out that uh, whoever owns this building didn't want it over on the right 
the correct corner, so we got, I got to be over here. Oh. You know, and, uh. Coincidentally, the marker honoring Anthony is at the corner of 5th and Humboldt, just a couple of blocks from the Sonoma County Bugle office where he and I worked together. And yes, there are curb cuts at these corners today. At a panel discussion that Sunday afternoon, Anthony talked about how being part of the disability rights movement changed his life. I shared my experiences with others in ways that I had seen the women's community, African Americans, Chicanos, that there are parallels to the way our movement was coming together with those other movements. And I felt a sense of connection. And at that point it was, well, what do we need now? And I think that, I mean, much of my motivation came from growing up in a family where it was, not that I was encouraged to be political, but that I knew that being politically active was important. And I was involved in the anti-war movement before I was involved in the disability movement. My motivation since, though, has been, it's what gives meaning to my life. It's, it certainly makes my life interesting. I have no idea where any of these projects are gonna go and what's gonna happen. Some of my best ideas have turned out to be duds. You know, some of my second, what I thought were second-rate ideas have turned out to change things in remarkable ways. So, um, you know, one of the things, I like talking to, to college students and high school students and encouraging them that it seems like in the 60s we did so much and it was such an, immense, an amazing thing. For me at the time, particularly some of those key movement moments, it was, well, let's just do this next thing. This looks interesting, let's do this next thing. And sometimes that next thing turned out to be momentous. Social movements are not organized by any one person, of course. Masses of people in motion create successful social movements. When people give life to a movement and, as Anthony Tussler says, get life from that movement, real change can happen. The people truly do have the power. We just have to use it. This is Michael Funky for the Radical Songbook. And this was recorded on November 3rd, 2023. Here's Patti Smith to take us out.